0: So this weekend may be the most important weekend for you to be in church. See, because today you can make a decision that will not only change your holiday season, but maybe even your whole life. You see, this week, most of us will gather around with family and friends and celebrate Thanksgiving. And some of them might be Tough, but some of them will be fun and sentimental and even wonderful. And then as soon as we're done with Thanksgiving, it's like, bam, a gun goes off and crazy explodes everywhere. Black Friday starts on Wednesday now and you fight crowds. You trample grandmas to get uh, doorbuster uh, deals. Set, site Ghostbuster. Yes, then Cyber Monday. Cyber Monday hits and you start buying and your laptop starts smoking and your credit cards cry out for mercy. Stop. Literally, in the next month, you are likely to spend more than you have spent in the last eleven months on stuff. There's so much stuff. You have to buy gifts. You have to decorate your house. You have to go to parties. So not only do you have to buy more, you have to eat more, and then and then some of you have to work more because it's it's a holiday season, or maybe you have busy you have year end deadlines, and then if all of that wasn't enough stress they let the kids out of school. Come on, keep them in there. <laughs> and see, in fact, research shows that we are entering into the most stressful time of the year. So I wanna ask you this question. What do you want your, the condition of your heart to be at the end of all of this? Do you want it to be exhausted, depleted, stressed? Or do you want a, a sense of wonder and peace, where you can say, this Christmas, I think I did it right. Well, today we're going to talk about the one thing you can do to make that difference. And if you decide to do this one thing, it can change your whole holiday season. See, I love this sermon because I first heard it from my pastor over 30 years ago. His name was Kenton B. Shore, and this was out in California. And it's amazing. And so I decided I wanted to share it with all of you. And it's fun. It's got a little bit of attitude to it, and it's got a whole bunch of audience participation. And see, this sermon is a bit of a Thanksgiving tradition around here, except that I had the, the unfortunate timing of introducing it the Thanksgiving before a global pandemic. So now I'm bringing back our tradition for only the second year. So it's barely a tradition by now, but I love this. And we're planning on doing this every Thanksgiving. Why? Because we need to be reminded of this every Thanksgiving. And so let me start with this. Let me ask you the question. What is one thing that nobody has? What is one thing that nobody has? Enough. See, some of us have more. Some of us have less. But none of us seem to have enough. We always want more. More money. More success. More likes. More stuff. But more doesn't equal enough. More just makes you want more. So why do we always want more? Why do we keep wanting more? Well, the Bible answers that in one of the very first stories in creation. See, it says that when God created us, the world was perfect. And we lived in a world of yes, where God provided everything we needed. However, at the center of the garden, there was one place where God said no. Because he wanted us to trust him. And then the tempter came, and he said this, did God really say, I mean, he's withholding something from you. See, the only thing you don't have is the one thing you need. Then you would be significant. Then you would be complete. Then you would be powerful. Then you would be like God. And then then the next thing that that the tempter said is, is God really good? That's something good he's withholding from you. He's holding back. And then third, the the tempter said, can you trust God? You should not live in humble obedience and dependence on him. You should take it for yourself. If he's not gonna give it to you, you should take it. Then... Then you will become everything you want to be. So do you see Satan's diabolical plot? See, Satan's great temptation for every one of us every single day is for you to take your eyes off the many things your heavenly Father has given to you and focus on the one thing you don't have. And nowhere is this more prevalent than during the Christmas season. So what if you got everything you ever wanted? Have you ever thought about that? What if you got everything you ever wanted? You see, you probably would say, I'd finally be happy. I would finally have enough. No, you'd have more, but you wouldn't have enough. And see, God went out of his way to answer this question. What would happen if we got everything we wanted? And it's right there in the Bible, and it is is terrifying. See, in the Old Testament, God tells the story of his people, the Israelites. And around 1500 BC, they were slaves in Egypt. Now, if you were a slave, what is the one thing you would want? What's the one thing you would want? Freedom. You would say, if we could just be free, then we'd be happy. So God freed them. They weren't happy. They weren't content. So they said, if we could have wealth, we've been living in poverty and slavery for hundreds of years. If we just had wealth, then we'd be happy. So God enriched his people with money, livestock, possessions. He gave it all. Even then, they weren't satisfied. So then they said, you know, if we could have hope, if we could have a promise that good things would come to us. Then we'd be happy. So that's what God did. God gave them a promised land and a promised life, full of abundance. And yet they weren't content. So then in the desert, God provided food and water for over 2 million people. He gave them manna, which was, this was the perfect traveling food. See, if you think chicken wrapped in foil is the perfect traveling food, no, 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 no is the way to go. It was this thin, nutrient-rich wafer, and it would show up every single morning. They would have manna. But they complained about the manna. See, they prepared it every way they could. They made baked manna, boiled manna, fried manna. They had manna on a stick. They had manna burgers. They had manna cotti. They had manna banana cream pie. And with all of that, they still complained to God. They whined. If you would just give us meat, then we'd never ask for anything else. So God literally had quail fly into the desert. They were knee-deep in quail. It was a miracle. And still, they weren't grateful. They complained. And that, that complaining attitude literally created a plague in their body, and it killed them. Listen to what it says in Numbers 11. Therefore, the place was named Kibroth-Hatava, which means graves of craving, because there they buried the people who had craved other food. What happens to us when we get everything we want? We die in a grave of craving. You may have more, but you never have enough. So how do you save yourself from a grave of craving? How do you prevent this from happening? Well, it's actually one of the most repeated phrases in all of Scripture. Let's read this together. Here it is, up on screen. And those watching, you can just read a half a second after us and, or just listen along. Ready? Here we go. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Okay, let's read that again. Let's punch it out. Ready? Here it is. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Why is this one of the most repeated phrases all throughout Scripture? Well, the obvious answer is because we need to see it all the time. Because see, look at what this one little verse does against Satan's three lies. Did God really say, you know, he's not telling you the truth. Give thanks to the Lord. God's not really good. He's withholding. He's holding out on you. For he is good. You can't trust him. Trust in yourself. His love endures forever. One of the best things you can say during this season is give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. So let's read it all together one more time. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Now, we're going to continue on with the audience participation here. So are you ready for that? This one's going to take a little effort. So loosen up, stretch, There we go. Okay, you ready? Stretch out that mouth. Okay, here we go. Because I want to teach you to be a thankful person. First, let's start with Psalm 100, verse 4. Here it is. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. See, we can actually enter into God's presence using thankfulness. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, let's take a look at that same verse in the Message Paraphrase Bible. And it says this, enter with the password, thank you. You literally enter into God's, pas- God's presence with the secret password of thank you. So we're gonna practice that right now, okay? I'm gonna give you a scenario And you're gonna say out loud, and you at home participate as well, you're gonna say out loud, thank you. Okay, here we go. When you taste something and it is delicious, it's really good. God didn't have to give us taste buds, He could have just had us swallow stuff. But He gave us taste buds and food is delicious, and you taste it and you say, yeah. When you do something, when you wanna do something and your legs work. And your arms respond to you. You say. Thank you. When you go to work. And you do things. And they give you a paycheck. You say. Thank you. And when your heart beats 100,000 times a day. You say. Thank you. And when you don't have to live in Wisconsin. You say. You. <laughs> Sorry all you Wisconsinites. Now. Now. Now, you know what happens when we don't thank God? Take a look at this verse out of Romans 1.21. Here it is. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. When we are thankful, we walk into God's presence. But when we complain... When we whine, when we don't thank God, we literally become dark-hearted fools. So, how many of you have complained or whined about something this week? We're going to do some mass confession because it's good for the soul. Here we go. So, how many of you have complained about the weather, jobs, politics? How about, have you complained about money or how everything is more expensive nowadays? Have you complained about your weight or your in-laws or your in-laws' weight? Have you complained about your spouse that you have or you don't have? Have you complained about your kids that you have or you don't have or wish you didn't have? How many of you have complained this week? See, when you complain, you move toward hell and you smell like smoke. And worse than that, you damage everything. You damage your family. You damage your workplace. You damage your church. And you damage your very own soul. Now, there is an alternative. There is an alternative. Let me give you two definitions. So the first, thankfulness. Thankfulness is wanting what you have. Okay, thankfulness is wanting what you have. So we're going to practice this. So I'm going to say something, and you're going to say back to me, I want my blank. It couldn't be better. Okay? Here we go. When you walk out to your car after church and it's a little rusty, it's got something gooey dripping from the bottom, and it kind of smells, you look at that car and you say, oh yeah, okay, we need some more practice on this one, how about when you look at your clothes and they're a little out of date and they make you look a little frumpy and you look at those and you say, yeah, how about you go to work? and you get frustrated by your boss and those turkeys you work with, you say, yeah, Yeah. and how about you look at your body in the mirror and that body that God gave you, and you say, really, even that? Yes, even that one. Yes. You see, when, when you want what you have, You are living a thankful life. You are rejecting Satan's lies, and you are abiding in God's presence. Now let me give you another definition. Contentment is not wanting more. So who's more content? The person with five kids or $5 million? Well, it's obvious the person with five kids because they don't want any more. Okay, okay. See, that joke kills in a white church. See, for like a mom church, I should change that to 10 kids. 10 kids, $10 million. Because some of you are like, five kids? Pfft, dude, that was my bedroom growing up. Come on. <laughs> but think about it. See, the reason contentment is so hard for us is because we always want to be there. See, we're here, but we want to be there. Because if we could be there, then we'd be happy. If we could be there, then we'd be satisfied. I'm not content here, but I'd be content there. Well, let me let let you in on a little secret. The people who are there, they want to be there. They're not content there, they want to be there. You might be here wanting to be there, but they're there, and they want to be there. See, wherever you are, if you can't be content here, you're not gonna be content there. So, we're gonna do some contentment training right now. You ready for some contentment training? See, I'm gonna show you a picture of something, and you are gonna say, I don't need it. Okay? When you see amazing Black Friday deals, you say, Yeah, when you see the new iPhone 13 and you're still on like the iPhone 4, you say, when you see that your favorite clothing store is having an incredible sale, you say? And when you go to Target and there is absolutely no toilet paper whatsoever, you say? Okay, yeah, we need that, okay. (laughs) Yeah, we need that. Come on, supply chain line here, come on. So thankfulness. Thankfulness is wanting what you have. Contentment is not wanting more. Now, if I gave Pafua a day of unlimited shopping at MOA, where she, she could buy anything she want, would she be happier, more, more content? Ha, no, we'll never know, because it's never going to happen. So I want to close up here by giving you an opportunity to practice thankfulness. So a, year, a few years back, some folks at Harvard, smart people, Some folks at Harvard did a study on gratitude, and they discovered some amazing things. See, first, they figured out what makes a person grateful. They discovered one habit that was common across all grateful people, a single habit, that they would sit down and twice every day write down three things they were thankful for but it doesn't stop there. They would then actually say it out loud, even if they were alone in their room. Three things, twice a day, spoken out loud. And here's the amazing thing they discovered. People who did this, people who did this were more creative, more energetic, more optimistic, more socially connected. They earned more money, they were more forgiving, they were more generous, and they were better looking. Okay, I made that last one up but I like to think it's true. So we're gonna do that right now. You're gonna write something down. So either pull out your phone or grab one of the connection cards in front of you, and I want you to write down three things you are thankful for. Three things you are thankful for, on your phone or on a connection card. Do that right now. Some of you might be here with someone you're thankful for. Some of you might be thankful you were able to leave them at home. Three things you're thankful for. Go for it. You can even jot it down in the the margins of the bulletin. Now, you at home, do this as well. Grab a a scrap of paper, your phone if you're not watching it on your phone, and I want you to write down three things you're grateful for. Go ahead and write them down. Do you have three? And you don't have to do more of that because you can save those for tomorrow. Do you have your three? Now, I want you to say it out loud to somebody around you. And if you're sitting on your own, just shout it out to the roof. So for me, I'm thankful for my wife, Pampoa. I'm thankful for this church. I love you, you folks of River Life. And I'm also thankful for my dad's health throughout COVID. He's doing okay, and... He hasn't caught COVID yet, so I'm thankful for that. So I want every one of you, every person in this room, I want you to say it out loud to somebody around you. And go. Go. Did you do it? Did you say it out loud? Now, you are all halfway to being more grateful people. And I can tell you're already 50% better looking. That's good, because I have to stare at all of you every Sunday anyway. So, at the end of December, what do you want the condition of your heart to be? Practice thankfulness. And God says you enter into his presence. And you resist Satan's lies. Be thankful, be content, and get ready for a different kind of holiday season. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the things you've given in our lives. Thank you for the people you have given to us and those you have entrusted to us. Thank you for this church. Thank you for all that you do, all that you give, and most importantly, all that you are. And thank you that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ. To live with us, to be with us, to set up camp with us, to show us you and point us back to you and eventually die on a cross so that we could spend an eternity with you. Lord, help us live thankful, grateful, content lives. Lord, I pray for each person here, in person, and those watching online. I pray that we can celebrate this coming week with thankful hearts. Even through the hard times, even through the COVID times, let us remain thankful. And give us the strength to be content with what you have given us we thank you and we pray all of these in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord and our Savior Amen